0: A third win against the top ten, and the orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Free for the win battle. Bang! Bang! Boom! Is the orange doing again? The cardiac juice comes through on the road
1: one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part... By Duntire. Full lines open the entire first hour at 315-437-7644. We do have one guest lined up for it to kick off hour number two. Anthony Lima, former Q Sky, now working in Sports Talk Radio out in Cleveland, Ohio at The Fan in Cleveland. He's set to join us at the top of hour number two to talk some NBA finals, to talk LeBron James to talk Cleveland Cavaliers back in the NBA finals and for the fourth straight year we're going to get Cavs Warriors to decide the NBA championship just like we thought back in September and October here we are the end of May and didn't quite wasn't quite as easy I guess as we thought no. that it would be to start the season but but here we are left with well, Cavs and Warriors Well that
2: was the point I wanted to bring up. Uh you know We talked about this at the start of the playoffs, didn't we, where we thought, oh, okay, you know, you had all these twists and turns. And we talked about this specifically at the start of the conference finals, right? You had all these twists and turns, but at the end of the day, the best four teams in the league at the start of the season were Warriors, Rockets, Cavs, Celtics, right? That's who everybody thought were the four best teams. And here we are, right? Twists, turns, people get hurt. Warriors don't really care, you know, the, the Rockets go out and have a great season, the Cavaliers overhaul their whole roster, Kyrie Irving goes down, Gordon Hayward goes down on opening night, oh, here we are with those four teams. And and the same can be said for the Finals. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the year, everybody in the world thought it was going to be Cavs and Warriors for the fourth time in a row, and everybody thought that, and throughout the season you had twists and turns, and it looked like the Warriors didn't really care, and that ran through the Western Conference Finals because they clearly didn't care in Game 2, and Draymond Green essentially set it Afterwards, and you saw that at times in the game last night. You know, they came out lackadaisical in the first half of game seven. I and mean, that's incredible, only to turn it on. LeBron James and, and his roster overhaul, only to come back from double digits down at the half to win that game. It's, you know, it's, it's just remarkable to see that even though it took more and it turned and, and was a little bit more confusing, maybe, than we would have thought, here we are with what everybody expected to happen.
1: I do wonder if things would have been different certainly with the Chris Paul injury if he had played and if he had been healthy in game 6 and 7 i mean the rockets led both games at the half by right. double digits yeah they, they were did. A half a basketball away in oakland and then in houston half a basketball away with a a double digit cushion to advance to the nba finals and they couldn't get it done they and, a, and a big part of that was no point guard to settle things down you know they badly missed Chris Paul,
2: especially last night. They scored 63 points in the two second halves combined. They and they couldn't tw- make a three. They scored 25 points in the second half on Saturday night. That's insane. I mean, that's a that's a bad quarter for them. And they did it over the course of a half. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to look at, at what they did and, and how they really choked it away in, in these two games. They had double-digit leads at the half, in both games, and by the time the third quarter ended, they were down, in the case of last night, double digits, and in the case of of Saturday night, nearly double digits, it was a seven-point game. After the third quarter, I mean, they threw it away. They threw away their chance at going to the NBA Finals. And sure, maybe it had to do with Chris Paul not being on the floor. Uh, Last night, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. I mean, they were missing open three after open three. And they were just missing shots left and right. And maybe Chris Paul does settle that down. Chris Paul's a guy who can get to the basket. Chris Paul's a guy who will make a mid-range jumper. Chris Chris man, Paul might have made a three. He might have made a three. <laughs> but, man, that was awful. That was unbelievable
1: to watch. Would they miss 26 in a row? 27, 27 in, a row. in a row. I saw a stat that said that the chances of that team missing that many threes in a row, point zero 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 eight four percent the chances of missing 27 threes in a row for, for that team. And again, they shoot a lot of threes. We saw 80-plus threes
2: attempted last night between these two squads. Steve, they were one of the best three-point shooting teams of all time. Of all time. And they missed 27 in threes mix. in a row. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. They missed 33 threes last night. And I saw this stat at some point. Once they missed their 33rd. Larry Bird missed 33 in a season once. And, and I know that that says a lot about how many threes you took. That, that's mind-blowing, It's right? like your Ted it's, Williams it's like, yeah, stat from it's, baseball. It's like the, the Giancarlo Stanton struck out more in seven right. games than DiMaggio did or in the DiMaggio, season. Or DiMaggio, I was right. thinking it was Ted yeah, Williams. It's, right. it's the same kind of a thing, yeah. but like mm-hmm. it, it's just mind-blowing watching that game last night. I, I mean, the the Rockets couldn't hit anything, and you just felt it falling away from them as the, the, the Warriors just turned it into hyperspeed, and the Rockets just di- didn't know what to do.
1: So I do wonder if things would have been different if Chris Paul was out there and I think you can make a case that, you know, maybe maybe they get it done if Chris Paul is healthy. In the other series, you say, well, how much did they really miss Kyrie Irving because, you know, this this team was good enough to get to the finals, get to game 7 of the finals, they had home court advantage, you know, they jumped out to an early lead on on the Cavs in in game 7 and they couldn't get the job done. But you look at, you know, a similar reason why they couldn't get the job done. Terry Rozier, he's been fantastic. He was dreadful. He was 2-for-14 from the field in that game. Jalen Brown, dreadful in this game as well. 5 for eighteen. I mean, finished with 13 points, but not exactly the most efficient game. So, two young guys that the stage, it seemed like, a little too big for them. And if Kyrie's out there... You know he's not the greatest defender in the world, but at least you know he handles things on the offensive end. It, at the very least, the game would have, would not have been too big for Kyrie Irving. So I do no. wonder if we would have had a different final if these two guys were healthy.
2: Yeah, but see that's a that's a different question to me than saying oh well things would have gone differently. The if whole season would have been and that's right, why because, I said
1: I, I I get that. I'm saying though that if you look at yes. why they lost the game, number one they lost the game because LeBron James is. Not human, okay and I, and I get that and we can certainly get into that um the second reason they lost the game is that you know you said the 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 Rockets choked it away in the second half can we make the same case as yes. good as LeBron was can we make the same case with the Celtics yes. that that young squad as good as they have been all year to get to the you know to the game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals that game felt a little too big for them
2: yeah, I mean, look, you didn't think that it could get much worse than the three-point shooting display on Sunday night by by the Celtics, right? It was you close. D- you didn't think it could get too much worse than that, when Tara Rozier and Jalen Brown go three for 22 from beyond the three-point arc, and then you turn around and you see what happened last night right. with the Rockets. That was worse, so it was, but it was close. It was close, but uh, I mean, it, it was unbelievable to see, again, you're, to your point, those are guys who came in this year and stepped up big when everybody went out, right? Jalen uh, Brown and Jason Tatum Tatum had a phenomenal game, but Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown stepping up when Hayward went out at the beginning of the season and being able to develop and grow and be better than uh, I think anybody expected them to be this early, and then Rogier stepping up with, uh, with Kyrie going out, it's remarkable to see their growth and how good they got, but uh yeah, the, the moment looked a little too big for them in the second half. Didn't it? I, I mean the moment looked a little bit too big for them maybe after the first quarter. They jumped out to a lead. They they felt good about themselves. They they were up by what eight after the first quarter. And I, I think they were playing on emotion. And when that and when that emotion and that hype and that adrenaline and that and that feeling wore off in the Boston Garden after that first quarter, I, I think it really showed.
1: I know you're not a huge golf fan. Can I draw a, a golf analogy, though? Sure. Was this like during Tiger Woods' heyday when it's Sunday and Tiger's wearing red, and you know maybe he's a you couple shots back, and maybe you got off to a good start? You know, you birdie your first hole, or you're, you're two under through three, and then all of a sudden Tiger starts getting hot. And then, you know, he he rolls in a long putt. And then, you know, you hear the gallery a a hole over and, oh, Tiger must have done something. You look at the leaderboard, oh, Tiger just tied you. And then once the tide turns, you can never get it back. Because not only is LeBron James physically superior to pretty much anyone in, in the NBA right now, He has that mental edge, especially over the teams in the Eastern Conference. Just like Tiger physically was better than everyone in his heyday, and he also had the mental edge. And when he caught you, or when he was, you know, he went through a stretch for the longest time where if he had at least a share of the lead going into Sunday, he simply did not lose. And this was the equivalent of having a share of the lead going into Sunday. It's 3-3, it's right. Game 7, it, it depends on what happens today. And this was LeBron James having a share of the lead going into the final round of a major, and LeBron James did what he always does, he finds a way to win. Can't, will you buy that analogy? Yes,
2: yes, I will. Uh, but can't you say, and, and maybe this is off, can't you say it's a better analogy for what happened with the Raptors? Because that's like the situation that I that I that's, feel like... because. And, and that's and I like know when Tiger saying, laps the field, no, no, though. No, no, that's no, no, like no, no. when Tiger I, like ran
1: away from the field. But
2: Steve, see, I, I know what you're saying yesterday, where you're like, you're you're the young guy, you're feeling it, all right. You know, I'm, I'm I got to fold under this. It's it's too much. But couldn't it also be that with LeBron and, and in this analogy, Tiger did kind of sort of the same thing? You get in this case, game one, and they tie the game, and they go to overtime, and LeBron hits a buzzer beater, and you're just like, well, that's it right because he just did it again and we know what's going to happen from here and it it's that same kind of a feeling you feel a guy creeping up on you behind you know if if you're tiger if you're the golfer playing ahead of tiger woods and you've been in that situation 3 times Oh, well, here we go. We're going into Sunday. I know what's gonna happen. So I think it's a good analogy. I, I don't disagree with you because I, I totally understand the thought there. but I when you started to say it, the first thing I thought of was the Raptors because it's so obvious that LeBron is in the Raptors heads, right? Like it's it's so painfully obvious that he's got space in their heads. And I don't know if he does with the Celtics yet. I'm not sure if it's that or if the Celtics simply are too young. Right, And and the moment was just too big for them. And it didn't matter that they were playing LeBron James. It just so happened that they were. The moment might have been too big for them in the Sixers series, but guess what? They were playing another group of totally young and inexperienced and and flustered players. So it might not have mattered, but in in this series, they're not playing that group. In this this series, they're playing LeBron James, who I, I think by now we can just say is the greatest player of all time. And, and when you get flustered and when you lose your edge. He's gonna take advantage of it like he did on the like he did the other night. I would
1: say the Raptors series, if we're gonna keep going with this Tiger analogy, the Raptors series was the ninety seven Masters when he had a nine stroke lead after three rounds and lapped the field because he was so good so early in that tournament, it was it was over. You knew it was over before even the midway mark of, of that tournament. He was just that good and he just dominated. I look at what happened in this series with the Celtics as a tournament where again. You know, he held a share of the lead. He was going into the final day, the final round, and, you know, it was mano y mano with the other guy in his final pairing. He's wearing red and he goes out there and he does what Tiger does. He was the best, you know, closer in the game of golf. LeBron James, certainly the best closer in the game of basketball. And once the tide started to turn in that game on Sunday, you just knew that LeBron was going to find a way to win. And Jason Tatum, as good as he was, made one really big mistake in that yes, game. He, he dunked it, and then and he, he got, got, up, his face. got up in LeBron's grill. And LeBron <laughs> turned around and mistake. looked at him
2: and basically said, Huh? Like, he said, "What are you thinking? What are you doing? That was a mistake and then and
1: then the two hugged they were LeBron went and sought out Tatum yeah. as soon as the final horn sounds. First you, guy he goes, to, I wonder what he said I, I do it was you think that
2: sounded like
1: you know. Uh I don't I mean I I think it was cordial and you know they certainly had a lot of respect for one another. My guess my guess is that LeBron said something about that moment. It, I would it, hope he did. You know they they spoke for a good what was it? Good 30 seconds yeah. probably. You know, my guess is, you know, your time will come, young buck, but, you know, it, it wasn't tonight. It's was, it was something like that. If
2: you if you come at the swing, you best not <laughs> If you come at the king, you best not miss kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. 315-437-7644. Let's get our first phone call in. Uh, Doug in North Syracuse up first today on North Station. Steve,
0: this might have as a big surprise to you, but I'm going to take you off track for just a second. Want to talk some Yale lacrosse? Your hoops. Did, did you happen to catch any of the national championship lacrosse camp?
1: Uh, I caught bits and pieces. I happened to be uh, out of town, but I, I you know, I, I saw the highlights. I saw the the post game interview, by the way, uh, which was was one of the all time great post game interviews with uh, with Andy Shea. That was uh, that was, I mean, raw emotion, uh, you know, on national TV. But but go ahead.
0: Just an, just an incredible game. I've got to say that the World Lacrosse put on some kind of exhibition for National Championship Day. That was one of the most intense games. Uh, You know, I've seen so many games. So let's say that this one ranks up there in the top ten of intense games that I've ever seen. Uh, Yale just has an ability to come out of the gate like a like a boxer who's worked up a good sweat in the first round, just comes out throwing it, and you know the other guy takes a little while to catch up to him. They come out so fast and so smooth and so efficient. It's incredible. I think they jumped out to a four goal lead and, and Duke was never able to make that up, although they came back, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, you know, cut the lead down to a couple, but but Yale just managed to pull away. But see the intensity of the game in the second half was incredible. I, I it, the, the, the Duke defense was on you like I shouldn't use this, but like a bulldog that just would not let go, man. They were unbelievable, just spanking. Slapping all over you, but Yale was able to keep that ball away from him. So, you know, I just wanted to say, congrats to the Lacrosse World, man. You put on an exhibition the way it should be on National Championship Day. Hey, that was an incredible game. So, I just wanted to mention a little bit about those lacrosse boys today. So there you go, and I appreciate you taking my call, bud.
1: As always, Doug, we appreciate you checking in and talking some lacrosse. Did you happen to see the post-game interview, by the way, with with Andy Shea? It came up,
2: but I, I... Just didn't, it came up like on my Twitter feed, but I just didn't watch so it. So he's
1: next. talking with Paul Carcaterra. The, the game had just ended, celebration on the field, and it's it's just raw emotion. And he's asking him about the game and what the difference was. And the first couple questions, you know, Andy Shea's playing his role like, you know, wow, this all happened so fast. I can't believe we're national champs, you know, and, and you know, he's asking about the X's and O's of the game and he's responding. And then after like a minute and a half, Harkaterra asks him a question, and he and he just he turns he turns to him. He grabs him with both hands by the shoulder, and he yells into the microphone, "We're national champs, dude! I can't believe it!" And then he goes, "I'm sorry." And then he goes right back into like interview, <laughs> like, like, speech, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. That's it, it was it was awesome. I mean, it was. It was just raw emotion, where you know he won a national title, and he goes, "I'm sorry, I just looked at the scoreboard and I saw that we won," and then he goes <laughs> right back into you know coach speak and oh these guys they're awesome and you know great to coach and it's all about them and said everything he was supposed to say. I've never seen like an interview subject grab the interviewer by you know the the shoulders and uh, and shake him, but it was. Uh, you know, fantastic moment there for Cortland's Andy Shea and for the Yale Bulldogs. We do need to take our first time out. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. We'll get back to the NBA talk and the LeBron talk next. I do have a question for you, Seth, uh, that we will get to regarding LeBron on the other side. Keep it here. We'll be right back. You're listening to ESPN Radio.
0: Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonti and Seth Goldberg.
1: Phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644. We have today's business still to come. We're going to switch gears from NBA to some college basketball. And Seth, you, you came across something uh, during the break that uh, it's intriguing.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little weird. Not going to lie. It's a little weird. It's a, a lot different than uh, the norm, so to speak. But Conference USA is changing how they, they schedule their basketball season. So it's going to be an 18-game schedule. All right, so it's an 18-game league schedule, as, as it is now, and, and as the ACC plays, uh, well, at least for one more year, the ACC plays an 18-game schedule. But the schedule will only have 14 games on this on paper at the beginning of the year, right? So when they release their schedules in September or whenever it is, the Conference USA League schedule will only have 14 games scheduled and then dates for other games. After those 14 games... Conference USA, and I'm reading from their release, Conference USA will announce every team's remaining schedule to complete the regular season, filling those predetermined dates. Teams will be seeded into a pod-based system, a pod system based on their league standings after 14 games. So 1st through 5th go in one pod, 6th through 10th go into another, 11th through 14th go into a 3rd. And they will play their remaining games during the, following, the, the last weeks of the season in just those pods. So based off of this season, t- uh, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, Western Kentucky, Marshall, and Texas San Antonio would have been one through five. Middle Tennessee being first would host the second and third place teams and travel to the fourth and fifth place teams. Old Dominion would host Western Kentucky and Marshall third and fourth, and travel to Middle Tennessee State and 5th place UTSA. Western would host Marshall uh, and UTSA and travel to Middle Tennessee and Old Dominion. So it's kind of a round-robin-ish type format where basically they want to make sure that their best teams have better chances, right? And then this is an interesting thing too. The new look schedule is also designed for whereas teams locked into their pod cannot fall out of that grouping over the final two weeks of the season. So if Texas San Antonio finishes fifth and goes 0-4 over the last two weeks, losing to the four teams ahead of them, they will remain the fifth seed in Conference USA's tournament at the end of the year. If if Alabama-Birmingham, UAB... The 6 seed goes 4 and 0 oh against teams 7 through 10. They won't jump UTSA. But the 5 seed could move up. Yes. If the 5
1: seed You can plays move up, well against you the better can move teams. Up you can move up within your
2: pods. You can move up and down it seems within your pod grouping, but you can't jump out of it. Do you like it? I like it. I don't it. know. It's, I kind of like it. I don't like it for a major conference. I like it for them. You know what I mean? I, I like it for a smaller conference. I like it for a team like Middle Tennessee that needs some of these games if they don't go and win well, their conference it tournament. It feels like
1: this is being adopted because of Middle Tennessee State. It you is. look at what happened last year. This past season, they went 23-7, and had an RPI of 33, and they missed the tournament because they did not win the conference tournament. Exactly. And so this would help their strength of schedule, help their RPI. Again, give them more quadrant one wins or quadrant two wins, depending on the teams they're playing and, and where. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you're in the top four or five in Conference USA, and again, especially if they're on the road, we know you just have to be right. in the top 75 RPI right. for that to be a quality win if you go on the road and beat those teams. It gives you more of an opportunity. So I think, you know... You said it, it. It was it was made with with teams like Middle Tennessee State in mind. It feels like this was made because of Middle Tennessee State and what happened yes. this past season. And it is getting more and more difficult for these well, quality mid majors to play one of the big boys. The big boys don't want any part
2: of Middle Tennessee State during the season. Right. And and Steve, the thing that it does do, and and this is an interesting thing that's pointed out here, uh, it eliminates the possibility of a bad loss. Right, it eliminates the possibility point, of yeah. a late bad loss outside of, of course, the the conference tournament. But you can't have Middle Tennessee State losing to your your the 13th seed best yeah, team right. in, in your conference in February and thinking, oh yeah, they'll that's still a good get point. In. You know, now they won't have that. Now they'll have games against two, three, four, and five. I think it's interesting. Again, I don't think it makes sense for the ACC. You know, you're going to get ten teams in the tournament. Doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense for you to do this. For Conference USA for the A10 maybe even. I mean the A10 gets 4 teams in every year. But so maybe it doesn't even make sense for them. But for Conference USA, I think it makes perfect sense to go do this.
1: I wonder if we will ever see this or see this soon maybe uh in college football. If it if it remains a 4-team Playoff where
2: you have flex scheduling. At the I wonder end of the
1: year? if there is. Yeah, I wonder if there is a little built-in flex scheduling to try and give your conference a better opportunity to you know to boost its resume to get a team in. So not only will you have you know the conference final, but you might have you know the last week of the regular season another attractive conference game. I would
2: I would be all in. Pair based on the seat on the on the conference seedings. I would be all in. It would be fun. I mean, I would also love it if the ACC just got rid of their divisions and just put the two best teams in their conference title game. Or maybe, like,
1: if you were going to do it in the ACC and keep the two divisions, then maybe you do have some sort of matchup where it's, you know, you you cross over and you play. Although that might be strange if, if the, you know, the champion, like if the one is playing the one and then they play again. In the, so you they would have play to, again the next you week. You would figure right. have to figure out the logistics, I guess, of that. But I, I wonder if... You it's know, harder to do
2: because you don't play teams twice in football. Right. It's easier to do in basketball because you're playing teams twice, right? And and even in this Conference USA thing, they're still going to play one team twice a year before they get into that pod system. So you're going to play, uh, you're potentially playing, first off, you're potentially playing one team three times a year in the regular season in this one with the, with the ability for a fourth in the conference tournament. So that'll be a, a little bit weird, but... You know, outside of that, you're you're still playing teams twice, right? There's still that one team that you're gonna match up with a second time. So I think it's a bit easier to do it in basketball than in football. You think it would be hard to sell tickets like ahead of time? Like single game tickets for a
1: game. Well, oh, they're playing uh they're playing on February eighteenth. Well, but we have but no yes idea and, who they're but, playing. But
2: yes and no. Yes and no. If you're middle Tennessee state You know it's gonna be a good game. Exactly. I guess That's, if you're if you're middle Tennessee State, if you're Marshall, right, who went to the NCAA tournament who they, they won a game in the NCAA tournament this year. And you're coming back, you're like, hey, we're going to have a good game. I don't know who that game's going to be against, but it's going to be against one of the top five teams in the league. I'm isn't buying a, tickets a, to see that mystery game. Isn't that a game. selling? Isn't that a sell, to an extent? It's yeah. a selling point. Well, can
1: you imagine if they did that in the ACC and you know Syracuse ended up being in the top four or five, right. and then you, you know have, you're it, playing it, like Duke or Carolina, you know? So that I mean that is interesting, but again, you know, I'm talking about the beginning of the season. Tickets go on sale. Are you going to buy tickets to that you know February 26th game that it's against you know opponent X and you have no idea who they're going to play? It if, could if, be if,
2: Wake if, Forest. Could, it could be Duke. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if, if that happened in Syracuse, right, and you're thinking that SU is going to be really good, there are 15 teams in the league, if you think that they're going to be really good, like even if they're in that middle five, you're getting a good game. If they're in the middle five, not necessarily. You might be playing, you
1: know, NC State, opposed to, if you buy tickets, you're like, oh, it could be Virginia. Okay, okay so, they,
2: so they place fifth.
1: Well, then you know you're getting a good game. Then you're right.
2: getting UNC, Duke, Notre Dame, or... Virginia, Right. Like, you're automatically getting a good game.
1: Right. No, that's true. I'm just saying, it, there's if you know you're going to be in the upper tier, then great. But if there's a big difference between finishing fifth and finishing sixth, because yes. if you're sixth, then, right. then you, you could right. be playing the 10th best team in the
2: conference, Again, uh, not exactly a marquee matchup. I don't think there's any benefit to the ACC doing this. No, I don't I think know. there's any just, benefit to the SEC doing this. I'm but, trying to poke
1: holes in this yes, idea, because I kind of right. like
2: it. But for Conference USA,
1: brilliant. All right, I, yeah, I think so too. I think this and this will help them. It's a win-win really for everybody involved. Certainly, is. the teams are going to like it. I think the fans are going to like it, as you're pointing out. The conference likes it. Um, you know, the only way that it backfires is if you know you you beat up on each other. You need one of your top four or five teams to get hot, obviously down the stretch, in order for this to work. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Got to take a timeout. Back with today's business after this on ESPN Radio. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. And it's brought to you today by Skinny Atlas Small Engine. Now under new ownership, your premier LS tractor and steel dealer for sales, service, and repairs. We're joined by our producer, Max Burgandy. I'm
3: trying to figure out the
1: headphone situation I, I was, over I here. I was trying to buy you some time. <laughs> they're, I read that they're as a little slowly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> right. Right
3: <laughs> they're a little tangled up. We're just going to roll with it.
1: We'll just go with it. This Are is, they even plugged in? Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, there we go. This is why don't you go without that? That looks there quite uncomfortable. All right, there. It is. It's very there we go. All right. We Dude, got it looks
2: it. like there's another pair stuck there in is. the pair That's the that thing, you're thing. And
3: I plugged them in and I thought it was that pair, hmm. but it was this pair. Um but how was your memorial day, guys? Have a good, uh, good. three day weekend.
1: I can't even look at you because <laughs> you're just gonna start laughing. You're just gonna take me seriously. No, I can't. Uh, yeah, it was. Can it you was... swing
2: around so you're in the Facebook Live? No. Okay.
1: Nope. Can't be. uh it was a nice three day
3: weekend. Yeah, uh, um, glad to be back at work though. Can I? Can I ask you a question before we get started? What's up? How much
2: barbecue did the Jones brothers eat?
3: Oh, uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming like five plates each. So Steve doesn't know. Uh, Arthur Jones, Chandler Jones, and John Jones came into Dinosaur when I was working. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Massive human being. Those
2: are three large people.
3: I don't think i I mean, Arthur's the shortest one, but he's built like a refrigerator.
2: <laughs> Can you tell us the uh, what
1: the bill totaled, or is that like doctor-patient I don't know. confidentiality? <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: yeah, I really don't know. I was working outside, and they stopped by for a drink and then went inside. So after We're that... We're
1: talking triple digits, right? I easily. Assume. Okay, easily. All right, fine. I, I mean, would I would
3: assume that they each ate a full rack of ribs, at least. That's At, a lot. Especially Arthur. That's a lot he of food. Is huge. Art is massive, and he's the shortest one. That's I was a tall. Lot of food. I was taller than him, but he was like three of me wide.
2: See, Steve is not on on Facebook or Instagram, so he he would not have seen the picture. Yeah, I'll
3: I'll pull up the picture for Steve.
2: Picture with you? You got your picture taken yeah. with the
3: Joe? Oh yeah, yes. did. Oh, okay. it, I, there were a lot of famous people over there this weekend. But wow. um, who yeah. else?
1: A lot. Can Post, you give us one more? Post
3: Malone. You know who Post Malone? is? I,
1: yes, I know who Post Malone <laughs> is. I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke, but I'm gonna save it. I'll save it for after the. Uh, I'm almost as tall as
3: Chandler, which like kind of blew my mind. I was like, like, "Where is Max?" But now I see Max. Okay, yeah. just you know, hanging out with the Jones brothers. So
2: it wasn't like you and the Jones brothers, but there was. It uh, yeah, was everyone. Yeah. Is this on Instagram? That's a nice it picture. Is, yeah. If you double tap, it'll zoom in, and then <laughs> no, it'll look like Max <laughs> liked his own picture. So don't, just do that.
3: Don't do that. Don't do that. James. All right, I will, yeah. I'll look like a loser. <laughs> okay. All right, well, you guys called it Warriors-Cavs final. I almost bet against LeBron, but I didn't, Steve. Your words echoed in my head. I had a double or nothing to take, and I took LeBron. So you, you, you're you, I catching on. I was mulling it, over. You, you was mulling it over for about two hours when I was playing golf. So you're catching on. Yeah, I am catching on.
1: That what, What's... What's you were right, the, what Steve. Have you le- right. Okay, there it is. It's it, I am usually right. You were right, Steve. I'm, when push comes to shove, I'm usually right. I'm yeah, glad, you I'm glad right. you're starting to see that.
3: Uh, Warriors going back, we all kind of assumed that as well. But Eric Gordon thought that if Chris Paul was on the team, or not, I'm sorry, not on the team, was healthy, that the Rockets would be in the finals and not the Warriors. Here's what he had to it's say. It definitely tough because uh, when everybody counted us out before the series started, you know, we knew we had a chip on our shoulder to win this series. And, um... Uh, and it, and it sucks because you know you could win this series if we just had one more playmaker. You know, just is Chris. If he was out there, we would have been playing on Thursday. And uh, it's just tough. I love going to battle with these guys. And, uh, you know, it's just tough when going into a game where we had to be it's so small, margin of error. We had a, you I mean, we just couldn't make too many mistakes. We had to shoot the ball well. We had to do a lot of things for us to, to win tonight, and uh, it, it, it's just tough to it was just tough to do it against a team like that. So, do you guys buy that? Chris Paul's on the floor, Rockets going to the NBA Finals, playing it Thursday.
2: I think the game would have been a lot different. I think the game would have been a lot different. I, I don't know that they would have won for sure last night. I don't think they would have won Saturday. I think that Golden State was winning that game no matter what. I do think that Chris Paul could have stemmed the tide a little bit as they were missing 27 threes in a row. Uh, whether that's make one or two, whether that's you know get to the basket or pull up on a, a mid range jumper I, I think he could have helped them. I, I think that that would have made a difference. I don't know that that difference was enough to to win that game, but it certainly would have been a difference.
1: Yes, I think it would have made a difference um. And and you know Seth and I talked about this at the top of the show that maybe it makes a you know a big enough difference that the Rockets win that game. Even without him, though, they were in position up double digits at halftime to win that game, and they had an all-time awful performance from three-point range. Can we say? Would you buy this if if the Rockets didn't shoot as many threes last night and tried to attack the
2: basket? Do you think they win that game? Maybe, but that's a philosophical change. That's what I'm asking. And we know, and we know that that wasn't going to happen, right? If if you know one thing, you know that that's not going to happen. You know that Mike D'Antoni on the fly is not going to say, "Hey, let's just do something totally different." Like that's not who Mike D'Antoni is. And and you know, you brought up the the double digit leads, and and it leads to something else that I wanted to bring up today, um, and and we just haven't gotten to. But I saw a lot after the game last night about, oh man, the refs. No, 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 no. You don't get to complain about that. Like you don't. The Rockets don't, were down twenty. Yeah. or up twenty, and then ended up losing yeah. by
3: thirty a couple games. Yeah, ago.
2: no, you don't. You don't get to complain about the referees missing calls in Game Seven when you had a double digit lead on the other team's home court at halftime and blew it. And by the end of the third quarter, we're losing by seven. You also don't get to complain about it when you had a double digit lead at the half in your own building, and by the end of the third quarter, we're losing <laughs> by double digits. So no don't complain about the referees it doesn't matter that they missed calls on james harden it doesn't matter that they missed these calls because you had your opportunities don't miss 27 threes in a row maybe as you said steve stop shooting threes when you're when you are missing 27 in a row like just because the refs missed calls doesn't mean that's why you lost and and i don't think that you have the 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 ability the right to to go complain about this when there's so much else going on in that game. I guess what I'm saying is
1: not so much to change your philosophy but to me it's more of an in-game adjustment or a, you know adapting for that game. It's winner take all in game 7. The Rockets were 7 for 44 from three point range. So I guess what I'm asking is at some point do you as a coach, yeah, I'm not asking you to change your philosophy but at some point as a coach do you make the in-game adjustment and say guys, listen, we need to get to the basket more.
2: Like, no, or, or, I think you assume that they're going to go down. Because they had all depends, season. Like if they're good looks. They've gone a thing down between, all year.
3: You don't want to just chuck threes with a contested you know, jump shot. If they're good looks and you're moving the ball, then yeah, you keep shooting. But you don't want to force the issue. you know. And if you're missing 27 in a row, kind of seems like you're forcing the issue a little
1: bit. In football, if you're a great running team... And you, you know, your strategy is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then that particular game. You know what? There's stuff in the run. We got to figure something else out here. We can't just say, "Well, we've done it all year, and this is how we win games." Let's keep running the ball. Eventually, our offensive line is going to start winning the battle of the line of scrimmage. If you're not winning the battle of the line of scrimmage, you got to. And I, I realize it's it's tough to move away from that when you had the best record in basketball and you had home court, and you're you know you're half away from from advancing. But at some point. I, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this. It's just I like guess the definition for, of insanity. Right, keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Now you could say, well, you expect a different result because it had been different all year, and and they, you know, they they did make you know so many threes throughout the year, and this is how they play, and and you know, Harden's one of the best players in the league, and you expect that at some point he's going to turn around. And I, I guess I get all that. I just with everything on the line, if something's not working, and this seven for forty four is clearly not working. Brutal. At some point, you know, maybe after they've taken. 30,
2: 34 threes instead of
1: 44 threes, do you start trying to get to the basketball? That's all I'm saying. The counter to
2: that, and and I know we've got to hit a break, but the counter to that is this is literally what they did all year. They routinely shot 35 and 43s. They were getting open looks. But in a they long seven-game series, open looks. You,
1: you have to assume that the opponent knows exactly what you're trying to do, and sometimes you have to reinvent yourself in the series in order to win. But it
2: didn't But it didn't matter, because Golden State still didn't stop it. How many wide-open looks during the 0-for-27 stretch? How many wide-open threes wide did Trevor, open, Ari- a handful. Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker, and Eric Gordon missed? A handful. It's at least 10? O- wide-open? I, I thought they got 10 open looks. Why, no, you, least, you
1: said wide-open.
2: They got, they got a handful. They got at least five wide yes. open and and ten to twelve open looks. Right, they, good looks. They were, I would say they were yes. putting up the, half of them were I, good looks. I think they were putting up. Yeah, they were putting up good looks. I, I mean, I don't think that you shy away from shooting those. I'm fine with the good looks or the wide open
1: looks. I i. Again, looking back, there were a lot of contested threes that you know, they missed 27 in a row. Right. So to say five of them were wide open, yeah, okay, fine. i they took those, great. You took those, and maybe you're right. Maybe not I would say not even half of them were considered open looks. They took a lot of contested shots. All I'm saying is James Harden can get to the basket. There's other, you know, you have other players on the floor. they are NBA players who could get to the basket. Maybe try that. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not putting this Just going to throw it out there. I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm not going to put this on on Tony. I'm just saying maybe you try We do have to take our final timeout. We'll be back after this. Wrap up the show on ESPN Radio.